American Timelines is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at QueenCityPodcastNetwork.com. So now I'm obsessed with time. Come on, tell me about the time. Had it all in my head tonight. Had the time of my life. When the words all come down, like blues on Tuesdays come down. Welcome to another episode of American Timelines. I'm Joe, and I have three awesome guests this week. Uh, Amy is still kind of taking a leave, trying to figure out her classroom. She'll be back next week, though. That's a cool announcement. She's got a really, yeah, she's got a really cool story in September. She wants to tell, apparently. So we're in August of 1953. And I'm let me introduce my guest this week. Returning after the last two weeks, we got Gruff. What's up, Gruff? Not much. Happy, uh, happy days. Happy day to you, sir. Gruff is a very happy guy. He's got a new microphone, so hopefully he sounds a little bit better. He's going to be our international correspondent for this episode. He's got a, <laughs> a, a story about Israel, I think, to, or uh, well, I mean, Iran, it's, maybe. It's or, the Near East, just the Middle East. Somewhere in the Middle East, he's going to tell yeah. us about something. Basically, I got too confused, and I was like, hey, you you look this up and explain it. So you just so pass on work. I pass it on, on to work. the smart yeah. guy, yeah. yeah. I, I appreciate you saying that, but no, thank you. I have time. He has time and he's very smart. And you just heard the voice of a colleague of mine from the Nerd School podcast, Miss TBJ. What's Welcome, up? TBJ. Hello. Uh, you guys have heard her on the American Timelines before. She's been on uh, a few episodes ago. And we, have, we are lucky to have her sister here, Tempest. Say hi, Tempest. Hello, everyone. I'm excited to be here. Yay. So Tempest and TBJ. I guess TB and TBJ, TB, <laughs> T and TBJ. Yeah, you anyway, just say TNT. We're like TNT, dynamite. Go. TNT goes boom. Oh, that's like the boys, that's awesome. the boys that go boom. Yes. Yeah, the boys that go boom. All right, I love that song. Uh, I was just recently listening to that. But so we have these sisters here who are in their family. Everyone says they're the same person. So we got two of them. Double your pleasure, double your tea whatever it is but they are <laughs> they are developing a podcast hopefully we'll put it out on history for jerks and it'll probably be the best thing we have uh but they are developing a true crime podcast uh you want tell us about the idea behind it you don't have to tell us the name sure. yet, it's a surprise i don't mind sharing the name if you don't mind because okay it's yeah something you... to look out for yeah for sure um, so uh Timothy and i are true crime aficionados in another life we could have been detectives um seriously without the police work we contemplated it if we didn't have to be b cops first we'd be detectives um okay not a path where you can go straight to detective because if there were we'd be it you'd have done it yeah we spent a lot of time uh, watching true crime listening to true crime you name it podcast as the tv doesn't change off of the id channel um, and so we've been thinking about just our stories, and we also noticed that the podcast world is hella pale um, when it comes to true crime. <laughs> yeah, especially true crime. You got that right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and like no shade. I love, I love a good oh, you know, my favorite murder and uh, criminal junkie. Crime junkie. Yes, um, but we want to tell some of our stories, stories mm-hmm. that we know, stories that 
uh, have affected people in our communities. So uh, we played a little six degrees of true crime. Um, if you guys are familiar with Kevin Bacon, there's an international game called Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, where everyone knows someone who knows someone who knows someone who knows Kevin Bacon. Um, so we started really thinking about our surroundings and people we knew and places we've grown up. Um, Timothy mm -hmm. and I are military brats, so we've grown up in a lot of places. Yeah. Yeah. And we wanted to trace that six degrees of true crime and, and see where in what timelines have we come across people in places and stories that we can share from our perspective. That's cool. That's really cool because it'll be also more a little more personal to you because yeah. you'll right. at least know somebody who's affected by it. You know, I yes. mean, like, even if it wasn't your family, but if it's, six degrees is a lot. So you, there should be a lot to cover. It might be things we haven't heard before. It's exciting. I think that's a great idea. So you say your TV never changed from ID channel. You guys are watching murder 24 seven. Well, 24 seven. I am. <laughs> I, I use 24 seven. I'm 24 seven. We, you know, we've talked about this on nerd school. I watch a yeah. amount of Hallmark because I have to even out, to even out my attitude. And the best way to do that is zapping Hallmark. You better thank Hallmark. And that's why, yeah, that's a, yes. that's a tagline <laughs> that in a nerd school. Yeah. So I would say <laughs> I'm about, you know, 25, you know, instead of 24, seven, about 20 hours a week, five days a week. Because you got you got the nerd stuff in there too, TBJ. Yeah. You got to be watching the the Marvel Cinematic Universe in there. You got to fit that in there. Yeah, so mostly, but if we're together, the oh yeah, these on. Oh, it's automatic. Now, do yeah. you guys are you guys when you're together? Are you guys like pausing it and being like, "Look, I think so and so did it," and First I know of that. All, Joe, I'm going to point out that we are black, so there's no pause. We just talk. <laughs> How about there's no pause? Just talk through it. We just talk over exactly. it. We're just fulfilling that stereotype. Uh, okay. You know, or we'll call each other. If she watches something, she'll call me and be like, you need to watch this documentary because here's okay. the thing. And then we dissect it and then, you know, we go through it. It's part of our lives. Um, I know my kids think I'm a little cuckoo but <laughs> when you dissect it like i mean are you like going out to lunch or going to the library and like look at research or are you just like <laughs> no we're on each the other, phone text each yeah other. yeah just calling each other okay. Calling okay. And texting. yeah okay and it's like not short combos like it, it, it can <laughs> no. and my son my 13 year old my 13 year old loves it now like yeah I oh really 13 year old into it sadly but yeah. we also have like we have a really little sister well she's not really little but she's 18 um, okay. She was here this summer while we were both on the couch, just taking it in, and she's like, "You, something is wrong with you guys." <laughs> <laughs> I'm with her. I don't get the true crime thing. Like it's so. I mean, I get it. It's a huge genre right now. It's selling well. I mean, hell, I'm, this is a true crime podcast. But right. I don't, and that's kind of what our well, whole angle on it is that I don't get it. Situational awareness also, like um, Timus and I can go to an airport and we're spotting people. We're like, mm, Trump. Yep. we're watching mm -hmm. him. Don't go no, 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 near anybody's kids. We see you. <laughs> that guy's a murderer. Listen, exactly. See we're not coming. always wrong. They're out so there. They're out we there. Are, if, if you are out and about and we are out and about and you have kids, don't worry. Timus and I are watching your kids to make sure we are. Because I, I feel like it's awareness. Like there's and women just, too. There's like a, for me, there's just like a, 
some kind of some of those like amy and i got into those uh oh man forensic files i guess for a while yeah yeah yeah. i started getting into them a little bit you love those yeah so she loves those too obviously um (laughs) but we got into those a little bit and i just like felt like i don't know i kind of started feeling wrong it was like am i getting entertainment out of other people's misery like am i but but don't look at it as entertainment it is like one the more you know, right? The more you know, you can teach yourself. Yeah. It's it. The thing about true crime that I find the most fascinating because, you know, we've learned with the boom of true crime that a lot of crime is not the boogeyman, right? The boogeyman Sadly. is in your family, right? It's, it's the, the people next door. Yeah. The statistics on how rare it is actually for a stranger crime is insane. And, but I credit true crime for making me look at even people in my family and I'm like suspicious um, <laughs> but not in a bad way but like the the doubt shouldn't go that far yeah like I, you can pay attention and you're aware and you're just keeping your environment safe if you paid attention enough you know enough to tell your sister if my sister brought home a dude that could be a psychopath I now know to be like no man yeah. Um, right. I wish someone told me that before I got married because there's I clearly married a psychopath. Um, that guy's got a severed head in a suitcase. You shouldn't date yeah, him anymore. Yeah. Or just like <laughs> he's exhibiting signs of a narcissist or or that. Yeah. Or I mean, yeah, you get sociopath. It. It's a little dangerous yeah. girl. That could have they get in the weeds on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess you do. Yeah. I don't know. I just my algorithms on Facebook somehow I must have watched a a video of fans fighting at a football game too long because now the videos on Facebook are nothing but fights. Like it's just, <laughs> and I'm watching them. I'm watching them. Yeah. The kids, I'm watching oh, them. you fed into oh, it. Well, oh, just sir. just today there was a fight. There was a fight at a in Atlanta at a Bath and Body Works. Oh, <laughs> like Lord. Some, some lady oh. and three of the employees are punching each other in the face. Like the world's gone crazy uh anyway so i'll turn to third shift but i feel like that's a little bit true crime except it's just people fighting like i don't know it's i mean it's a good i don't like it people's uh limits and where people will explode and the fact that you never know what will make someone snap because the lady fighting the bath and body works employees apparently snap and now it was small scale right she didn't murder anybody right also somebody should get out on her yeah yeah, the better watch that. So, yeah, I mean, we're telling. I'm telling my son he's learning to drive, and I'm like, don't. No matter what, you don't flip anybody off. You don't no, engage yeah. anybody. You don't know who's got a gun out here. Yeah, um, there are too many cases crazy, of road rage turn murder. Oh yeah, nuts. yeah. That's that could be a whole podcast, and it probably is. They're probably it's, true. it's probably out there. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, well. Anyway, so we're excited about this upcoming thing. We're gonna do it. I'm gonna try to help them do it on a history for jerks um and get get it going i'm just excited to have another cool true crime thing and somebody with a different kind of voice and a different idea like what a cool idea that you're connected to it that's a that's a i'm excited about that and i know it'll be good because one thing i know is everything tbj touches is old Uh, so yeah i'm behind that 100 percent um but let's jump into the American timeline. Let's uh, do where it. it. We left. Yes. Okay. We left off in July. The end of July. We're in August of 1953. And um, I'm going to just jump in at the beginning here because on August 1st, 1953, Fidel Castro was arrested. Whoa. Uh, he was at this time, he was uh, 
sort of leading a revolution against Batista, I think was in charge. Then mm-hmm. I looked, I looked into it. The story would have taken the whole episode to explain everything that happened. So I just, and I thought, well, this is an American timeline. So I'm just going to say that he was arrested and move on to August 2nd when you I had other people to Google it. Yeah. Yeah. Other people can just there Google it. Go. Um, uh, because there's so much in this month. Like he some months I don't have much. Player. Yeah. He was more than a baseball player. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, uh, yeah. Fidel Castro. I think. Of, <laughs> yeah. He, but he did play baseball. Right. There you go. All right. We'll talk about that. Okay. August 2nd. Okay. Have you guys ever heard of, I I'm guessing nobody on this podcast is into country music. Are you guys well, into anybody? My, my doctor plays it all the time. So I do have a few hits I like to listen to. Now, I can <laughs> okay. say we are Southern girls. You guys are from Georgia, uh-huh. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe you've heard of this, this band, Steve, I don't think, I don't know, you know, a little country, but uh, have you ever heard of the, <laughs> The Davis sisters. Nope. They're early. No, they actually early. don't oh. ring a bell. Okay, they're really no. early on. No. They only they only had a couple of hits uh because of what I'm about to tell you that happened. Um uh-uh. but so Betty Jack Davis and Skeeter Davis were the Davis sisters, but they weren't actually sisters. They were an American country singers, singer of a girl group. They were one of the first female country singer groups. Um and I'm going to sort of like sneak in some of their music because I think it's old enough now that I can (laughs) get away with it while I'm telling this, but um, I'll I'll put that in a post. But the Davis sisters were an American country music duo consisting of two unrelated singers, Skeeter Davis and Betty Jack Davis, one of the original female country groups. They're best known for their 1953 number one country hit, I Forgot More Than You'll Ever Know. (laughs) I don't know if that sounds familiar to you, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. Skeeter Davis, his real name was Mary Frances Pinnock, so they weren't actually both Davises. The two came together casually in the late 1940s when they were both attending Dixie Heights High School near Covington, Kentucky. Mm. My father was a farmer and electrician, and we lived way out in the country, recalls Skeeter. Then he got a job in Cincinnati, so we moved near Covington, which is right across the Ohio River from Cincinnati. I was in my junior year. I didn't know anybody at school, but one day I was in home economics class and the teacher had left and this girl started singing, I'll Hold You in My Heart, an Eddie Arnold song. I knew the song and I just joined in. Later, she introduced herself as Betty Jack Davis. We liked each other instantly. Betty Jack, for her part, was born in Corbin, Kentucky in 1932 and had been intensely interested in music for all her young life. Pretty soon, adds Skeeter, we were singing together every day at lunch. Then we started spending the night together at each other's houses and got to be just like real sisters. I even moved in with the Davis family for a while. Betty Jack used to say to me, Skeeter, I never heard anything like you. God sent you to me because he knew I, I couldn't do it by myself. So here are these two sisters, rural Kentucky that just met and started singing together in class. Kind of a sweet story. Oh, nice. uh, Appearances by the girls in local amateur contests led to a steady job on a noontime TV variety show on Cincinnati's WCPO TV. Davis and Pennick would drive over to the show during their school lunch hour. They received $14.28 a week for their efforts. That's a hustle. That's a hustle. That's yeah. a 93. Back, yeah. then. Uh-huh. back then, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, back in the day in the late 40s. The MC of the show was in a hurry to introduce them. 
one day and found himself unable to pronounce Pennock's last name. So he dubbed them the Davis sisters. And then the name stuck. That's how I got the, the name. Okay. Uh, I forgot more than you'll ever know was released as a single by RCA quickly went to the top of the national charts. Uh, the two were booked for appearances at major country music venues, including a series of appearances in August with Eddie Arnold on Perry Como's TV show. The Grand Ole Opry was about to hire him for its Prince Albert show, nice. which is not about Prince Albert's. <laughs> Clear your minds. Okay. Steve, of course, Steve perks yeah. up because we all know Steve yes. has a Prince Albert, in case you didn't know. Uh, yeah, he's sitting there right. with Prince Albert right now. And, but anyway, they were about to make it really big, I guess. But unfortunately, right here on this date, August 2nd, 1953, tragedy would strike. The Davis sisters had just made their first appearance on WWVA's Wheeling Jamboree in Wheeling, West Virginia, when fate would change their careers forever. We were driving back, and I looked at the map and said, we're almost home. We've just got a few more miles to go, Skeeter adds, when you had to like look at a map to drive anywhere back then. Wow. And Skeeter said, that's all I remember. I don't even remember anything about the accident. But when I finally did wake up in the hospital, Betty Jack was gone and the oh. whole world was changed. Damn. Poor the thing. Crash, yep. The crash occurred just outside Cincinnati when a soldier on leave fell asleep at the wheel of his car and crashed head on into their oh no yeah betty jack was killed instantly skeeter suffered a concussion various internal injuries Uh, a few days later on august 6th betty jack was laid to rest in highland cemetery at the urging of betty jack's family skeeter recorded started recording with georgie davis betty jack's older sister for a while uh and they made a fine harmony but they didn't really have the chemistry that she had with betty jack and the magical spontaneity and innocence that existed between those two was no longer there. Uh, in their last RCA Victor sessions in 1957, Georgie, after their last sessions in 1957, Georgie returned to Covington, where she still resides today. And Skeeter, two years later, joined the Grand Ole Opry as a solo artist, I guess. Mm. Um, nice. I got all that on, oddly enough, on ronstatlinda.com the linda ronstat homepage yeah. <laughs> uh, unofficial website dedicated to as they say america's greatest female singer linda ronstat. i mean find your resources where you can yeah this yeah, is the first go. thing that came up they had extensive story about this so never heard of them uh if you want to listen to it you heard a little bit earlier when i first started talking uh, i'm not a country fan myself but poor betty jack I don't know. Let me just hope it was RIP Betty Jack. RIP Betty Jack. I guess I could pour one out for her. There you go. (laughs) And then on August 5th, 1953, the movie From Here to Eternity was released based on a book by James Jones, directed by Fred Zinneman and starring Burt Lancaster, Montgomery Clift, and Frank Sinatra. You guys familiar with that? Nope. A lot, a lot of pale males there. Not a lot of pale males. Pale males. The best picture of 1954. <laughs> I try to watch it because I'm trying to watch every great best picture movie, but I honestly, Donna Reed is in it too, uh, but I fell asleep several times. It's just, <laughs> I'm not surprised that you did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know me. I, yeah. It takes a lot to keep my attention, I guess. Um, I don't really have anything else to say about that, but yeah, a lot of pale males. Uh, and then August 7th. So August 7th, 1953. Are you guys familiar? Do you guys all know 
Have you heard of the mountain K2? I, I, Is yes. it an actual mountain? Or it's a you... mountain. It's a it's the no. second largest mountain in the world, I guess. Uh, no, not at all. Okay, Steve's heard you've heard of K2, right? There's a movie about people like climbing it and shit. Yeah, do you know where that do you know where K2 is? I assume it's somewhere in the Himalayas or Tibet or somewhere in there, but I, I don't know. Okay. Well, well I, I feel like it's is it in the United States? No. I thought it was American timeline, but whatever. Oh yes, gosh, yeah, right. Okay, it is American timelines, but I think maybe this guy was American that did this. This I have an amazing story about it. So what I'm gonna say is on August 7th, this group of people went to climb it. So earlier in the year, I think uh, people had just climbed Mount Everest for the first time. Like it was a okay. big major thing. Uh, but this is the second highest mountain on earth after Mount Everest. Uh, it's 29,000 feet high or something. It lies in the Karakoram range in part of the Gilgit Baltistan region of Pakistan. Uh, Pakistan administered Kashmir in part of a China administered territory of the Kashmir region. Uh, included in the Tax Corgan Tajik Autonomous County of Xinjiang. <laughs> Xinjiang, the performing artist? Is that? <laughs> no, I think you're thinking of Shenyun. No, sounds oh, very Xin, similar. Xinjiang? I don't know. No, don't but, do that. But oh. K2, no, Xin, Xinjiang is what it I was thinking okay. of Gungam stuff. All right. K2 also became <laughs> popularly known as a Savage Mountain. After George Bell, a climber on this 1953 expedition, it's an American expedition okay. on this mountain. He told reporters, it's a savage mountain that tries to kill you. Of the five highest mountains of the world, K2 is the deadliest. Approximately one person dies on the mountain for every four who reach the summit, I guess. Why wow. people climbing so, this damn mountain? I wouldn't want to. Wait, I wouldn't want to climb. I don't understand right. mountain climbers. I actually understand them less than true crime people. Like, why? <laughs> Why risk your life? Like, do you not like yeah. it enough? Like, what see, is, no thanks. That's, for beauty, that's a special breed. Like, I can take in the mountain. I can be like, oh, you look great from down yeah. here. From but down if here. You tell me, one in four people die attempting to climb this mountain. Nothing inside my soul goes, ooh, challenge accepted. Yeah, right. Because what do right. you get? What do you get? Nothing. Dragon rights. You, you get dragon rights. That's crazy. Um, so. They, they started their expedition on August 7th. And then on August 8th, we have our first American birthday. Oh. Uh, so I got to hit the birthday music theme. I will, in, <laughs> I will insert the birthday. And the whole thing with this is Amy, who I usually do this with, hates birthdays. Uh, and so I have a theme song called Amy Hates Birthdays that I'll put uh -oh. on here. Uh, she doesn't hate birthdays. She just hates the stupid ones that I choose. And I try to, I try to choose stupid ones. Oh, um, you do a fine job at it too. And this is no different because on August eighth, nineteen fifty-three, American actor and director Donnie Most was born. <laughs> yes, Ralph the Mouth. He played Ralph Mouth on Happy Days. He was, he, was, he was born in Brooklyn, New York. He went to Erasmus Hall High School in Brooklyn. Uh, their colors are blue and white. Home of the Dutchman. Uh, in Flatbush. Love a Leo. 
Yeah, and, and apparently this school is haunted, according to Michael Rappaport, who also went there. Uh, <laughs> other other notable, yeah, he, they said, uh, what do they say? Why do they say it's haunted? I can't remember. Uh, but I will look that up at some point. But other notable alumni of that school are Barbara Streisand, Neil Diamond, and Mo Howard from the Three Stooges. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mo anyway. Howard. Also on August 8th, 1953, Sam Beckett was born. Yay. A fictional the character. The fictional oh. character on Quantum Leap. Oh. The guy I do from love Quantum, Quantum Leap. Leap. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. So apparently in that on that show, he was born on August 8th, 1953, which why so I know never that. go further back than August 8th. Oh, is that right? Is that he time travels only within his lifetime? Is that right? I think that was the one of the conceits of that show. I think like, so. I think you're back. right. I'm trying to, I watched yeah. it all the time back in the day. I used to he love that. Going like way in the future, it had to be within his own timeline. Yeah. Anytime I can bring Quantum Leap into a conversation, I'll do that. So <laughs> That brings us to August 10th, back to K2. Uh, an American named Pete Shoning was 24,500 feet high up on K2. 24,000 feet in the air, okay? When five of his fellow... On purpose. On purpose, yeah. And he was with five... Well, he was with more climbers, but five of his fellow climbers fell, tumble, tumbling down an icy slope. Ooh, now... And what happened next became legendary to climbers as the belay, B-E-L-A-Y, the belay. I've never heard of that term. Do you, you guys know what that is? Not at all. all right. I didn't either, but I, I, I never know when I look stuff up. It's like, am I stupid or, <laughs> or, or am I, or does nobody know this? Like a lot of times nobody knows it. But a lot I mean, of times the people who climb mountains probably know it. They probably know. Uh, yeah, I'm like probably saying K2 Lord shit. I yeah. imagine would <laughs> So a belay, I guess, is a like a, a an axe that you climb with, like a climbing axe. I think okay. it has okay. like rope, rope, oh, rope okay. on it. And I guess from what I can understand from the story, like you you have rope on an axe, and I think when you climb with a bunch of people, <laughs> I think everyone's tied together. They're all tied together. You know, you wrap around each other and you mm -hmm. help or whatever. I guess. Okay, so that's, that makes that's sense. What that is. So. So this was the same year that Sir Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay climbed Mark, Mount Everest. Now, Tenzing Norgay, I talked about this on an earlier episode. He was the Sherpa. In my mind, the Sherpa does all the fucking work. He's oh, the yeah. fucking hero. The stupid, the stupid white guy that goes, gets all the, the fame, which I don't get that. I don't get it. But anyway, it's the same year that they did that. Uh, on the, Today, on August 7th, the seventh day, or my August 10th now, Yep. Uh, climbing without oxygen in a storm, they became trapped at over 25,000 feet on the Abruzzi Ridge of K2. One of the expedition members, Art Gilkey, collapsed. He had deep, venous thrombosis. That's Ooh. a medical condition that occurs when a blood clot forms in a deep vein. And then he, that was followed by a pulmonary embolism. Ooh. So this guy's fucked. Fuck. Like he's right. like yeah. one of the guys. So I would think if you're on this expedition with people, you got to decide like, uh, it's you oh, or yeah. us, man. Like at some point, yeah, it's you or me, you or me, dog, yeah, you or me. And and you got to be bonding with these people, right? Because you're climbing forever. Yeah. I mean, so well, they realized that Gilkey would surely die if he's not taken off the mountain immediately. So they began to lower Gilkey, wrap he they wrapped him in a sleeping bag, 
and he lowered him. They're trying to lower him down the mountain over treacherous rock and ice in the middle of a storm. <clears throat> I got to say, I don't know how close you are to me. Like, if it's a storming out there and you got... I'm sorry. I, I, your friend, Joe, it takes a special person to even try and climb the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying I won't be out there in the first place to make that decision. Yeah, but... right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I'd be like, why did I come? Why did I do this? What am I doing? I want to go home. Anyway, while attempting to traverse an ice sheet, climber George Irving Bell, the guy that said it's trying to kill him, lost his footing, pulling Stony Strether loose. So they're like hanging on this thing, and one lost his footing, hits the other guy, knocks him mm-hmm. loose. He yeah. fell into the rope, joining Charles Houston and Bob Bates, two other guys. They fell into the rope connecting D. Molnar to Gilkey, leaving them all hurtling down an icy 45 degree slope. So 90 would be there. So 45 is like this. Uh, uh, Thanks toward, for the math lesson, Joe. Yeah, well, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to do it. But nobody can see this anyway because okay. it's an audio podcast. I got anyway, it. Towards a, towards a cliff and a fall. If they go over this cliff, it's a fall of a thousand feet. Uh, Pete Shoning. This hero, despite already holding Gilkey on on a belay, which is, I guess, a running rope around a cleat, rock, pin, or other object to secure it, he anchored his axe in a boulder and wound the rope around his hip. He had to do it fast. All these guys are falling. And he leaned all his weight on the axe, and the five men falling to their deaths slowed and stopped and did not fall. They're, like, hanging over the edge. Thousands (laughs) did not fall thousands of feet to their deaths uh and they all say he did this through strength quickness and skill shonen considered himself merely lucky but his companions felt otherwise uh so he caught him stopped him from falling and during the team scramble to recover from the fall and establish a forced bivouac you guys know what a bivouac is i had to look up this word a little camp right yeah, it's like a camp. It's like a temporary camp, which yeah. right, I never Steve heard that. With word. the knowledge, yeah, Steve, man, survivalist over here. Like, this is my my Google my Google search history. Google's got to wonder who the fuck are you? Like, I'm searching murders. I'm searching bivouac, and what was the other thing? Uh, uh, the like belay. A belay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so while they're they're getting off the mountain and they're making their bivouac which is like a, a camp uh they discovered that gilkey who had been in voice contact with him the whole time they were yelling down to him uh they thought he was suspended in that sleeping bag still he vanished along <gasps> along yeah uh, what? yeah he just and slide his, out of the sleeping bag all of his anchors were gone everything he was just gone no trace what? of him uh, and so Houston, one of the guys, among others, speculated that following Bell's fall, they think Gilkey cut himself loose to save the lives of the other five <gasps> who were very, who were all injured because of the falling in ice. Yeah. Um, so they think he just like, OK, go ahead. No, I'm which, good. Which I kind of feel like is the right thing to do at this point. Like he's it's not going to make it any. But oh, yeah. It's a tough call, like it, but it's a storm, like a storm on top of everything else. Uh, so the story of this expedition is told in the book K2, the Savage Mountain by Charles Houston, MD and Robert Bates. Uh, today, the belay is considered one of the most the belay they use is considered to be one of the most famous. Uh, oh, the belay, this event, I'm sorry, is considered to be one of the most famous events in mountaineering history. 
Shoning's ice axe is currently on display at the Bradford Washburn American Mountaineering Museum in Golden, Colorado. <laughs> so I know you guys, Tempest and Tiffany, you're going to go there for yeah, the next vacation. Yeah, so right? to do so- this. <laughs> Anyway, so it's a big deal, I guess. So there's that story. Um, and there's a there's a peak in Antarctica named after Pete Schoening now. They named something after him. Oh, wow. he's, he's a big deal. Lives. He's a hero, yeah. That he died in 2004 of bone cancer Aww. at his home in Kenmore, Washington at the age of 77. So well, he lived I guess a life. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> lucky he lived at 77. Right. Right. And that brings us to August 11th when... I can't pass up a pro wrestler when a pro wrestler is born. <laughs> August 11th, 1953, the son of construction foreman Pietro Peter Bolea of Italian descent and a homemaker oh. and dance teacher Ruth V. Moody. Terry, Terry, Terry Bolea. Terry, Terry. Hulk, Hulk Hogan. Oh. He, was, he was born uh and he, when he was one and a half years old, his family moved to Port Tampa, Florida. He was born in Georgia, but I, mm. I left out. I accidentally deleted what town in Georgia because I wanted to tell you guys where oh, he was born. Teeny tiny town. You guys are from Georgia, but I lost. I accidentally deleted. I guess. It's, uh, forgive you. Can you forgive me? We'll look it up later, and I'll text one you. time. Uh, but when he was <laughs> yeah, so then he moved to Tampa, Florida when he was one, and as a boy, he was a pitcher in Little League baseball. He attracted scouts from the New York Yankees and the Cincinnati Reds, but an injury ended his baseball career, and then he got into the crazy world of wrestling. But Hulk Hogan went to Thomas Richardson Robinson High School in Tampa, black and silver, other colors, home of the Knights. And I couldn't find a single notable alumni that I've heard of. It was all sports figures and old wrestlers. I think Dirty Dick Slater is the only wrestler I'd heard of. So I, I went a little deeper, and I looked up. Thomas Richardson Robinson High School's rival school, which was Henry B. Plant High School. Uh, and they were black and gold. They were the Panthers. And Gallagher and Wade Boggs went to that school. So his rival school. I just like to so with Amy gone, she hates when I talk about this stupid random <laughs> bullshit. Uh, but I want to know what high school every single celebrity went to. And I will eventually... I mean, it's fascinating because some sometimes you find that they weren't in Hollywood and like five of them came out of one random school in the middle of any, anywhere. Oh, my favorite is Sam, the school Sam Cook went to in Chicago. Uh, there's so many unbelievable famous singers. I think like Gladys Knight went there and like, uh, oh, there's like a hundred million Herbie Hancock. Like there's I just believe it. all these amazing artists that went to the same school. Like to me, that's amazing. I don't know. Uh, anyway. And then like, talking about the stupid mascots that they pick for these schools um and then okay august 12th uh a little women's somebody's birthday is august 12th it is tempest's lady's birthday yeah tempest's birthday tempest Tempest loves birthday yes of course she was not born in 1953 but yeah there's no way i mean years later (laughs) she could be you don't know her origin story but she wasn't you look really good for being 70 years old. Yeah, black on crack, too. That's right. Definitely. That is true. Uh, well, this is a little women's history here. Kick-ass women of history. August 12th, 1953. Ann Davison. Uh, oh, is it Davis? Did I delete the D or is it Davison? 
damn it. Sometimes I have typos. I think it's Ann Davison. She arrives in Miami in her 23-foot boat named Felicity Ann. She became the first woman to sail solo across the Atlantic. Felicity Ann. That is a very interesting name. Yeah, that's the name of her boat. Ann Davison, she was still relatively inexperienced. Ann Davison, was. she taught herself how to sail, and she made up for that with sheer nerve. She learned as she went along, and she taught herself to navigate with a sextant as she sailed, which is some kind of navigating equipment. Uh, she was met with many challenges, and her lack of experience showed, but all the while, her towering resolve and strength of character helped her overcome the many hurdles she faced. Oh, and, no. Fel- and Felicity Ann endured storms and difficult situations, but for Ann, she said the hardest part was the isolation. Uh, it took her like, I don't know, like almost a year, like several Almost a year, like six months or something, maybe. I could yeah. that. That would be hard. Oh wow, that I, that's hard. another thing. Like going across the ocean. Like I don't want to do that. I don't want to go to. Space. But listen, who knows what's in the deep blue sea? That's like right. There's so many things we have not discovered in the sea yes. because it's so vast and so crazy. I don't know if I'm just gonna be bopping on a boat. I think there's, but more power intel- to her badassery. That is, she's a badass woman and she should be celebrated. Nobody's ever heard of her because everybody's a misogynistic asshole. Yeah, uh, we live in a world where women's voices are silent. Yes. Uh, but I do think, on a side note, I think the ocean is filled with like super intelligent squids that are mind controlling all of us. You think that? <laughs> Does that sound practical? I was going to say the Loch Ness monster, monster has a whole, you know, gang in different parts of the world, right? There's oh, like the Eastern that, Loch Ness yeah. monsters. They're not Maybe. just in Scotland. Like, they're everywhere. That's my theory about the deep blue sea. Ooh, you think there's like monsters down there? What's well, really? I just think about finding Nemo with the little light bug and he looks scary. That's all I think about. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm getting close to you guys. I got one more. I got a couple more birthdays. I have All too right. much bullshit to go. I'll try to make these. Quick. We'll get the birthdays out now before Amy comes back. Well, for me, the thing is, like, I'm really amazed when two people were born on the same day because it's not only the same. It's the same date. It's not just the same well, birthday. They were born on the same day, the same year. I love uh, that fascinates you as if the world isn't made up of millions and millions of people. <laughs> well, I mean, two famous people like they're both super famous. How were they both? Yeah. Born on the same day? And Kathy Lee Gifford were both born on August 16th. And I did research and I don't know much about either one of these two. You don't know much uh, about Kathy Lee. Kathy Lee Gifford, I had no idea why she was famous. Like I thought she was just on Regis, which oh, I guess Lord. is basically it. I mean, that's her big chunk, but she's been out here in these streets for a long time. As <laughs> I just can't picture her out here in these streets. She's a little kooky, but she's she's been out here. She's crazy. And James Taylor, you know him from uh I get him and Cat Stevens mixed up. So I'm not yeah, I can see sure that. I knew which one was which, but uh but James Taylor's from kind of around this area, Chapel Hill, sort of. Yeah, down the road. James Vernon Taylor was born at Massachusetts General Hospital in Boston, where his father worked as a resident physician. Uh his father had come from the uh wealthy family from the south. 
His mother, the former Gertrude Woodard, studied singing at the New England Conservatory of Music and was an aspiring opera singer. In 1951, his family moved to Chapel Hill, North Carolina. So that's what, why he, they say he's from kind of this area we're from. So we're from Charlotte. We're recording this from Charlotte, North Carolina. Those of you who don't know. Um, but so James Taylor went to two different schools, one up in uh, Boston area and one in Chapel Hill. So I got two schools. He went to Milton Academy, home of the Mustangs, team colors, orange and blue in Massachusetts in 1961. Notable alumni include T.S. Eliot, Robert Kennedy, and Ted Kennedy, Ooh. and and uh, Jenny Slate. I don't know if you know her. She's a comedian. Yeah. Anyway, he faltered during his, during his junior year, uh, feeling uneasy in the high-pressure college prep environment. Uh, he returned home to North Carolina to finish out his semester at Chapel Hill High School. Their golden black home of the Tigers. Alumni include rapper Strick, Strick who's Torin Oleander Strickland. He's worked with Travis Scott and Wiz Khalifa. I like him. And also um, went to school with, I didn't know from this area, Clark Gregg. Oh, we talked about him on the nerd school. Avengers and Shield and shit. Yeah, the Shield guy. The guy. Uh, what's his name in the Shield? In the Coulson. Marvel. Agent Coulson. Oh, Coulson. Agent Coulson. The beloved, TVG. beloved Coulson. The beloved Phil Coulson. And uh, did you know? You guys know who he's that actress married to? Uh-uh. I, I fell down a rabbit hole. I fall down every birthday. <laughs> Clark Clark Gregg is married to Jennifer Gray. From Dirty Dancing. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. And now you know, and knowing is half the battle. Anyway, he was in bands and everything, but now let's get a Catholic give her born the same day. She was born in Paris, France to American parents, Joan Cuddle and a singer who was a singer and Aaron Epstein. her name was Catherine Lee Epstein when she was born. Uh, and her dad was a, a musician and former U.S. Navy chief petty officer. He was stationed with his family in France at the time. So he's a military brat. Uh, you guys like that? She grew up in, that in common. Yeah. She grew up in Bowie, Maryland and attended Bowie High School. They were Navy blue, burgundy and white, home of the Bulldogs. Notable alumni. The only one I could even hear, uh, even know who it was. And I barely know who this person is. J.C. Chazé from InSync. What you mean you barely know who he is? <laughs> I had to look up how to pronounce his name. I thought it was Chasses. J.C. Chasses. He's got the voice. First of all, listen. Oh, boy. We have an InSync supporter here? Yes. And? And what about it? Yeah. Now, now this guy's got to be the least famous NSYNC guy, right? But he's the best singer yes. of NSYNC. He's not the least favorite. Most people know he was, they made him second in a lot of things, but his vocals are better. So we all know JT. JT. We all know Justin Timberlake. He's the yep. big name. We all know Lance Bass because he came out and is doing all kinds of stuff now. He's on TV and everything. We all yeah. know Joey Fat Tone because he's the fat one. Right, he's on TV Backstreet? too. No, it's the Okay, and then there's this guy. Is there two more? No, there's two more. I can't remember the other guy's name. Most people know. <laughs> so JC released a solo album. Oh, um, the record company didn't really pump him like they said. Like I, I almost dare you to go back and listen and listen. Back in the day, I support 
JT, there's some there's some sus stuff he's done in the last few years, so I can't. JT like or that. JC? No, JT. But if you go back Uh-oh. and listen between him and JC, JC has the better voice. Whoa! Like hands down, better voice. But you're saying JT did some sus stuff? Uh, first of all, let's talk about the incident with Janet Jackson where he didn't get in trouble. Oh, he did. And was yeah, basically blackballed forever, and he never yeah. actually apologized. Oh yeah, took Janet. for his stuff. Yeah, yeah he he, he just did. Out. He all late. Yeah, right. a million years later, right? You also got in trouble for getting real close to your female star, getting caught on camera with that oh. and having to apologize even though you were married with kids. Listen, that was another thing? Yeah. I didn't hear about that one. I, trust me, I'd I be knowing the gossips. Man. I don't, uh, I don't have a life. So, uh, man, shit. I had another question about NSYNC. I can't believe you just dropped some serious knowledge about J.C. Chadwick. Bye, bye, bye. Listen, bye, bye, bye. I don't understand how you don't know them. <laughs> uh, I'm old. Joe, we're not that far apart in age. One. I'm, I'm 78. Okay. <laughs> All right. You were vampiring it around. I'm I missed vampire. that. No, yeah. but I just didn't think of never. I never. Boy there bands thing, weren't your thing? No, yeah. And there is a thing with guys and steve can kind of back me up on this like guys of a certain background and manly supposed manliness and having to be this thing like we have to i remember when we were in middle school in uh new kids on the block were the big yeah and we were not allowed to like them we had to hate their guts they weren't yeah, well, new additions. Don't you dare. I love both. Like I have well, there's marry someone from each it. band. Don't play games. Like, I, I, I just don't have we all the boy like band husbands. Isn't that funny? Oh, we were allowed to like new edition. We were cool. Yeah. You were cool if you liked new edition, but you were gay if you liked new kids on the block. You know, misogyny oh, is best. That's just the way it was in yeah. the 80s, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, you know. 90s, and then yeah. and then even when in sync, like I don't even remember. When when were they big? Was it early two thousand? Same time it... as Britney Spears, so it had to be yeah, all them Backstreet Boys. Late nineties, late nineties, yeah, mid to late nineties. Okay, so the yeah, so early two thousand. I was just, I was just, I was just drinking a lot. Like that, I I didn't really pay attention to a lot of that. I get, I don't know if it's just what was I? Well, it's a to? birthday oh. worth celebrating. If anyone listens to this, we should start a campaign to make JC have another album. Let's do it. That's yeah. Let's support JC Chazes. He seems like Chavez. a nice guy. Chaz Chaz A or whatever. He but looks he like he's really not Chavez. Yeah. Hair. He was the one. He had like Chavez. a flavor saver or something. Okay. No, I mean, right? I'll find you a picture. I'll show well, the, you a picture. The video I watched where he pronounced his name, where I learned how to pronounce his name, he had like flavor saver anyway that's enough about that guy but he was no he, it wasn't his birthday it was just he went to the same school he was an alumni that's fine he went alumni of the petition. same school <laughs> in, in boston that um kathy lee gifford kathy lee. went to but she was like kathy lee gifford was like in a like she was in musicals and she yeah was she's a true a entertainer group. yeah but she attended oral roberts university in tulsa uh, and she was a living secretary slash babysitter for Anita Bryant at her uh, home in Miami, who was Anita Bryant, I think, was I think was a racist or a homophobic or something. Um, so that's a negative thing. But anyway, she went on to marry Frank Gifford, who was awful and cheated on her. Uh, she stayed with him until the end. 
Yeah, man. Did she? Mm-hmm. I think she did. Okay. I'm going to get to your guys' stuff real quick. August 18th, I'm going to burn through this. 1953, the second Kinsey report, sexual behavior in the human female, was published in the U.S. in 1953. So these Kinsey reports, you guys familiar with what the Kinsey report that it was the first one was sexual behavior in the human male, and then this one was in the human female. They were famous Mm -hmm. because they were best selling books that were immediately controversial both within the scientific community and the general public because they challenged conventional beliefs about sexuality and discussed subjects that had previously been taboo. Think about in the 50s, nobody talks about sex at all. With a Kinsey report, it's like the first one to say that there's not just gay and straight. It's not just right. straight people and gay people. And there's a sliding scale. Every, you're like yeah, sexuality is not black and white. Yeah, yeah. you're just, everybody's a little bit gay and a little bit straight, and you're just over here and over here. And so that was people did not want to hear that. Some of the controversy was that they're like married women weren't into sex as men were and things like that. And then a lot of people were upset because uh, she used prison populations to interview like people in prison. They're like, that's skewed. Of course, people in prison are, are more gay, you know, like, and then, so, and then they were also upset. What some other things they were, she, they were upset by, uh, it's just like, Oh, that I guess she did interview some pedophiles and people were like, that's yeah. bullshit. Like, why are you interviewing these fuckers? She was gathering data. I mean, yeah. So it's like, there's something, data. yeah, it just, it was very controversial, uh, and I don't know much about, I mean, I, you can really Google these and fall really down a, a rabbit hole, but it was really fascinating to me that the fifties is when something like that came out and really like, uh, challenged people's ideas about stuff. Um, but that brings us to August 19th, I think, uh, Steve, yep. I think you have, That's we're going to go international here. You got something. Yeah, you got something to tell us about. All right. Hey. Nothing nothing big. It was just uh, the last day of the four-day coup in Iran that toppled the first democratically elected government in Iran, let alone the Middle East. So uh, so, so we directed it. American CIA directed this. Well, uh, right. To be honest, we were just the independent contractor brought in by Britain's MI6 because at the time, our our uh, head of the what was it North? Where are you, Kermit? His name's Kermit, which is one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> Real name, and he, uh, Kermit Roosevelt. There it is. Kermit Roosevelt was the head of the CIA. Northeastern African Division. And yes, he was Teddy Roosevelt's grandson. Mm. Uh, oh, okay. He was called into Iran on July 19th to, you know, overthrow the government. So he starts doing things to, to get that rolling. Uh, the basic ways he buys off the press buys off the military, buys off the clergy, and starts a very admin negative campaign against the main focus being the Prime Minister Mossadegh, who wanted to renegotiate the oil deal with Britain and the Anglo 
uh, Persian oil company, which would later become BP. They, they didn't think that Britain getting 80-ish percent of the revenue and Iran only getting 10 to 12 percent was cool. So they wanted to renegotiate it after 40-some years, and Britain didn't. So seeing as this kid, this guy, Kermit Roosevelt Jr., had just uh, worked with the Saudi royalty to put them in power and get America a kick-ass deal on their oil because we are still reeling from Mexico nationalizing their oil. They're like, hey, this dude knows how to topple governments, bring him in. So they did. And it almost worked. However, Mosaddegh caught wind and stopped it on the 15th and was riding it out. And the American government sent word to, hey, back off. That word never got to Kermit. And Kermit said, I got a, I got a plan B. I think I got a plan B. I think I can call some people. And uh, call some people he did. He called uh, the general who he was going to, the general and the Shah and the Ayatollah and said, I got an idea. All we have to do is lie to a bunch of criminals and pay them to support communism and Mosaddegh. And he did. And he sent them to this city to pose as members of and infiltrate the Tuda party, which was the local communist party in Iran. And soon all the members were looting and destroying local shops with cries of communist revolution and down with capitalism and up with Mosaddegh. All because this American guy, this American guy planted them in there to do this? No, no, he, he, he's been there for a month, slowly paying off people, okay. like paying off the press, yeah. paying off the uh, local, uh, where is it? I just find it interesting when they're like, pull back. He's like, no, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, no, that's another the, plan. the, the yeah. funny thing is, is <laughs> let me do more. Was happening. America was trying to get him to pull back and Britain was just losing the message. And that's been the official story since like the 50s. You know, and Britain's like, yeah, yeah, we got your call. We, we tried to call him, but it was hard to get a hold of people. In <laughs> sorry, sorry, my phone, my phone was crazy. Exactly. It's great. But no, he, 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 he bought out the press. He recruited uh, the local clergy, the mullahs and the ayatollahs. And then he got the Shah on his side by who was already having trouble sharing power with the parliament because they kind of, at the time, they had a parliamentary system nearest equivalent to Britain, but without the House of Commons, just the House of Lords and the royalty. And, you know, so that didn't really, it, it failed at first. He had a plan B. He enacted the plan B, which was a full-scale riot. He hired two sides to fight each other uh, and then had them essentially surround Mosaddegh's household. Then, since he had the general on his side, 
the general sent the army in to just shoot and arrest everyone. Mosedek turned himself in by the end of the day, and there you go. So the Moses, general, what's, what's the guy's what, name? The president that they overthrew? Uh, Prime Minister uh, Pr Prime Minister Mosedek. M-O-S-S-A-D-E-G-H. So, I, so the, I, mean, I guess the kind of the reason I wanted to give that to you is like, I was looking him up and he seemed like a good guy. Like oh, he, he was, was a like, like a, a, a peaceful guy. He cared oh, yeah. about the he country. Was, he, he was very much the, the, one of the ironies is that the ruling class were the all were the established aristocracy were just as anti-communist as America was at the time. And beforehand, we were actually, under Truman, we were scouting Mosaddegh to see if we could get him to work with us. But yeah. Ike, who took over in 53, thought it would be much better to have a place to fight a proxy war against the growing threat of Russian communism. And so all because Great Britain was getting a shitty deal on oil, like there mm -hmm. are, I mean, they weren't getting a shitty deal. <laughs> They were no, already was, they getting were, the no, best they deal. Were, yeah, they were and, wanting to remain greedy. Yeah, yeah there was just a so, threat of renegotiation. Yeah. So fucking crazy. But it's insane. very British of them. How yeah. dare you? Oh, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's our good deal. Yeah. It's so no, it, it's no, just like, like uh, when, they first, when they first came to America for help, Truman's answer was, you made us eat it when Mexico nationalized theirs. So no. You eat this, you know. But once Ike got in power, it was just immediately changed over. It's like, nope, yeah, we can fight I, a war there. Yeah, right. Truman said no. Eisenhower said yes. The 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 art the the three references were the th NPR has that wonderful show called Throughline. Throughline is an awesome, awesome podcast. Yeah. There you go. I, I would definitely. I would definitely. It is. It is really good one. to tune into. It's yeah. so. Sm they're so smart. Those two on there and. But yeah. also, I I looked up a. There's a site called the Zen Project. It's corrective history. Which is, is that Howard Zinn? Yeah, dude. It's yeah. I've loved that. I've loved that rap Howard pastor Zinn's forever. Great, yeah. <laughs> that rap. <pastor. laughs> but, uh, all the yeah. shot. Uh, there's an abstract on the. The book All the Shah's Men, which is where a lot of the information came from. And then I also read an abstract on the the NSA archives of the Iran coup. Well, I appreciate you doing that because I was I read it, I thought I understood it. I was like, I feel like a dumb guy. No, and no, I was you, like, Steve can like tell me if I'm get this right or not. No, you probably understood it. It's just yeah. so simple. It's just you don't want to understand it. Well, you that's what through it's, it's just makes you. Like, you want to think like, it should be more comfortable. Exactly. Think it should be more complicated than that, but really, yeah. it pulls out. It's, yeah. It's you want to like think it's, it's more it's than greed and fear, but greed is But so you know, yeah. the way the world is set up. Yeah. Well, through lines really great. They have a couple new episodes on. They're really talking a lot about uh, um, uh, what's going on in. Uh, 
What's the one? What's in the news? I like right how now? your brain just froze. I did. Oh, <laughs> Afghanistan. Like they got a bunch to talk about Afghanistan now that all this that we're pulling out of Afghanistan. That's the hot news now. It's like it's talking about the history of Afghanistan and how we got where we are. Which I've always oh, wondered. Yeah, the, history of, the history of the Middle East is wonderful. Man. It's really just. It's just sad. It's like they were. They have all the oil. It's been cursed with, and even before oil. Like bronze in the Bronze Age, yeah. like yeah, they had yeah. all the tin that you needed to mix with bronze to make yeah. yep. copper, mix copper, copper bronze or whatever. Bronze, yeah. Like they've always had the resources everybody wants. Oh, dude! And been the hope, of they better it. hope they don't find any lithium somewhere, or uranium, or Jesus. It's just right. yeah, it's just a crazy world. Um, well, that I got great job, Steve. One of the other things I want to say is like one of the uh, the the quotes from Throughline, the one quote I liked, the, the exchange I liked. At that at that time, at that time, Britain and the Shahs were the bad guys, but America was kind of an ally in their fight, to which the person responded, Yeah, exactly, until they got involved. Yeah. But yeah. that that also one of the major disconnects when it comes to American and Iran relations is most Americans don't go before 1973 mm-hmm. or 1979 and that hullabaloo. Well, Throughline is hosted by Rund Abel Fattah and Rampton Arablui, which I've been practicing trying to say their names. So that's a great thing. But we got a murder to get to. Yes. So we got to keep we moving. We got murders. But we got, mur- oh, we got murders, I guess. It's time to feature the ladies. It's ladies night. It's time for TNT to to tell us all about an awful, horrible murder, probably. Yeah. Um, So this is August 20th. 20th. Is that right? Yep. Yep. August 20th, 1953. Uh, So we're going to the story of the um, Freyland family. Freyden. You got Dr. William Freyden, his school teacher wife, Shirley, and their 22-year-old son, um, Harlow Freighton. They're kind of the main people. There are a few other people that you need to know, but let's start with these three. Okay. Um, so basically on August 20th, the cops show up to a house in the kitchen of the house. It is a Dr. Freighton on the ground in his pajamas um, looking, he's dead and his face is in just shock and horror, right? That's what they see. And then next to him is his wife who seems to be in street clothes but also same horrible expression on her face. She's dead too? Yeah, they're both yes. they're on they're on the ground. This is what the cops show up to. The cops show up and find a couple just dead. Dead on the ground. Dead. The same yep. night that on CBS Take a Guess was on, the summer quiz show <laughs> where the moderator <laughs> the yeah, moderator they- and studio audience know what a mystery object was, and the contestant had us to determine what it was based on a question asked by panelists that same yep. day. They that's, missed that's that episode. They, <laughs> they missed, missed that, that episode, episode. unfortunately. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but and, they're dead. Well, on the table is a bottle of champagne. Okay. All Yeah. So they Wait, a, assume a bottle of cyanide and champagne and champagne. Some champs. So they assume this must be like a double suicide, oh. you know, murder suicide. Something's up in the right. living room. There's this is a doctor, right? A yeah, doctor. it's a doctor. Yes, he was. 
Okay. He's a respected doctor. He's there in Brooklyn. Um, but in the living room, there's like their unconsolable son. Like he is just falling apart because he oh. says he showed up to see his parents. Ah, you just gave it away. You said he says he says he, says he showed, he showed up. up. Oh, but that's not even giving it away. Um, so the cops are are slightly suspicious. They're like, nothing really, but something doesn't feel right, and this kid is weird. Like, right. He looked like Dr. Cro- he looked like Mr. Crocker, if you know fairly odd parent. Yeah. His <laughs> He's very right, much giving Mr. Crocker vibes. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I gotta look that up. Um, I know fairly yeah. odd parents, but I don't know. Oh, this dude is it. He's also the like, he's like that uh, crazy doctor off of Phineas and Ferb too. I don't know his name. Um, he's just, he's got creepy, <laughs> something's not right. Mr. It's, Crocker looks like a, yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody in the 50s look like that, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. yeah but they're like, something's not right. What's up? And so, you know, they, they don't have any evidence. They're still leaning on this, but they're going to quietly investigate in the background. Uh, Tim, you want to tell them what they noticed? So they noticed that um, him being the only child, he was going to get $150,000. In today's money, that's $1.5 million. Oh. And they said immediately he would get that. Oh. So that already raised suspicious with him. And then, of course... He decided to have parties to spend his money on a Maserati. Like immediately. He was just balling, balling balling out of control. Talk about suspicious. Um, Wait. Oh, I I think we forgot one thing. That's also why the the cops were like, "Mm, suspicious. Y'all want to guess what homie majored in in college? Oh, yes. Chemistry. Chemistry and he's got cyanide. But who has cyanide just laying around? Right. Exactly. Uh, And that's not a way you kill yourself. Like nobody just drinks cyanide. No. No. He's out here balling, but he's not balling alone. He's balling with his roommate. I'm gonna put quotes (laughs) on this because there's there's a few things that make me think that these are the people we just called roommates because we were uncomfortable talking about partners. Oh, this is where the sex in 1953. His uh, roommate named Dennis, um, him and Dennis, Dennis Webman, are are the ones doing these parties. And when Tibbet says parties, she means all male extravagant, over-the-top parties. Sausage parties. I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to say crude things, but sure. Uh, Is that crude? A, <laughs> I'm such a good angel, Joe. That oh, yeah, right. Than me. You are. Um, but, like, they get kicked out of their apartment, and because he doesn't care about money, they go rent a, a penthouse in a hotel. Like, whatever. They just keep going. Yes. And oh on gosh. Central Park South, so you know yeah. that costs a lot of money. Like, there's nothing he is doing to make himself not suspicious. Um, and then that's while they're investigating, the cops find out okay, so things weren't what they seemed in the house, right? Here's this like upstanding doctor, school teacher, loyal wife, and their son, they paid for everything, he never wanted for nothing. But then while they're investigating, they find out that homeboy had a horrible relationship with his mama because his mama was verbally abusive and calling him constantly a sissy, a fairy, all those things, oh. which is why I put a few quotations around his roommate because yeah. I don't think they were 
Yeah, you right. call that for a reason. Yeah. So exactly. you have the fact that you majored in chemistry, the fact that you just something's not right here. Uh, the fact that you and your parents weren't really close, like when you were all con inconsolable, it seemed like, oh, something's wrong. Um, so about four months later, after the cops found it, they have no actual evidence. It's all circumstantial, right? It's all what they think. But there's a dispute between Dennis and Harlow where Harlow, the son, ends up going to the hospital needing to get stitches and with bruises and all of that. Harlow shows up at the hospital. This is the son. He has stitches. He has black eyes, bruising, all that. That same night, Dennis leaves him. Dennis is out. And then Dennis tells a friend, basically, hey, yo, uh, I was there when my homie killed his parents. Yeah. Yeah. And he tells the story where he's like, you know, uh, basically, uh, Harlow called his parents and was like, I got a job, guys. I'm independent. Let's toast it up. He brought the champagne. He toasted with his parents. Each of them drank. Mom died immediately. Dad fell out. Dennis comes into the apartment and watches Harlow give his dad one last drink. So they watch the dad die yes. together. Oh. Whoa. Right? Of course, homegirl was like, like Tiffany and Tempest, we're not about that lying life. Uh, no. She went immediately. Immediately. <laughs> immediately to authorities. Uh, they had everything they needed. So they ended up getting arrested. Uh, Dennis gets 20 years. But homie got paroled in 1968, so he's Whoa. out the streets probably he's, still. He served at all. Yeah, he, he was not there long enough to be a part of this. Um, okay. People asked why he did it. He was like, I needed inspiration for my book. He was a writer, which is... Oh. And then Harlow, the son, uh, wasn't just weird. He was mentally unstable, so he <laughs> ended up going away for the criminally insane. He didn't go to prison. He went to an institution where he overdosed in on uh, sedatives in 1960. Really? Did he die? Yeah. He, oh. Yes. Yep. Yeah. And he was known as the cocktail killer. Yep. That's cocktail killer is what they call him? Cocktail killer. Yep. Cocktail killer. So is this a story that like true crime people all know? Or is this one no. you guys were new to? Okay, it is no. new to me. No. Yeah, definitely new to me. It wasn't. It was a few things on it, but not that. So if I'm I at think a party, it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have resonated in my brain because one, it's 1953. Two, it's yeah. white dudes and Upper East Side <laughs> Like uh, three, so long ago, and like there weren't any big consequences. Um, I hadn't heard of it on a podcast yet. Have you, Tempest? No, I have not. And I feel like we've listened to a lot. And if someone would have been like, let me tell you about the cocktail killer, I'd have been like, say more. Yeah, yeah. Cause it just just that name makes it sound like, oh, what's the cocktail killer? What's that? Yeah. Right. I can see myself at a party and true crime people. Oh, I'm a big true crime. Oh yeah. Have you ever heard of the cocktail killer? And then there I'll you go. Pull it out your pocket points. from here on, Joe. Go. Yeah. And I'll be like, let oh me tell God, you about the cocktail killer. <laughs> and like he, if you ever like I Google, just Google Harlow Faded and just look at the pictures. He looks off like he just 
I understand why detectives were like, mm, something, something's not. Something's not exactly. Right. But wow. I, I do have to note, it's not confirmed that these two were more than friends. However, sure. it just, it all context clues yeah. tell me Roommate. Yeah. that they were Mark. a little more, especially with their domestic dispute. Yeah. Right. And their wild men's parties. Yeah. And it was just a world where you didn't, you couldn't come out then. You didn't talk about it. Well, his mama yeah. knew something was up because she wasn't okay. But you know, dear yeah. dear humans, if you don't like your parents and you're an adult, you know you don't have to talk to him. Just you don't have to talk. Yeah, that's Just, it. You don't have to listen. Just go away. Don't kill him. You won't inherit. Don't kill him. One point five million, but just just walk away. Don't go to jail. It ain't worth it. That's why I don't get any of these people that kill somebody. Like just. It's always spouses. Like, don't kill them. Just get a divorce. Yes. Uh, yeah, in oh, relationships. But I'm always like, y'all know it's the first person you're. Yeah, they are, you are. But the here's time. the thing. Why you gotta kill them? Like, just people let them live. are so possessive, and so my. I like quick detour story because I'm gonna tell you. Tibbs knows this. Like, I'm sure my ex husband would have killed me. Um, we had to get a restraining order once. Oh, no. I'm telling you this because when he is doing all these actions, he's with someone. It is the sheer fact that he can't get to me. Like, that's yeah. a lot of these people. It's not, they don't even, like, you don't love me. Like, we're, we're not even, yeah. we haven't been together in a while. It's the sheer fact that you can't get what you want from me. Yeah. That he violated his restraining order one day. And, you know, he just showed up on our porch and just stared at my door. Stared at my door, Joe. Ugh. stared at my door tempest tried to call you know because she was our third party court appointed advocate like if you wanted to see the kids oh wow just sat there at the door it was it was crazy but i say that to say people don't think about oh i'm just done and i'm gonna move on it is yeah. possession you are well, mine not, yeah i don't care if i don't even like you anymore peter peterson uh you had a whole boo on the side you go oh, with scott scott peterson yeah you yeah. didn't really, if you didn't love your wife, why are you procreating? Like, sir, get a divorce. And the babies. Walk yeah, away. Like it, none of it makes sense. Like, I mean, they say, like, I guess, like, with rape and everything, like, that's not, that's not a sexual thing. That's a power thing. It's control. It's control. So similar to this yeah. whole thing. Seems similar to that. Like, it's it's a yeah. mental, it's a just a disorder that doesn't make yeah. any fucking sense. There are people who snap, right? There are clearly yeah. TV shows about people who snap. And that happens, but there are too many cases of like spouses, partners, parents, and kids. And like, it's amazing. Like, this is clearly a case. He, there might have been a little bit of snapness. There might have been a little bit of, I've had enough mother. Well, if she was verbally, the mom was yeah. verbally abusing him, you know, constantly. Yeah. yeah. So, so you're already like, I mean, I can't under, imagine what you would feel being treated that way your whole life, like somebody badgering you. Forever. And then, yeah. And the and press then, made it out to just be about the like the the one thing the press did that was really weird. I read a few news articles, and it was you know like he wanted their money. I don't think that was his main motive. Like I think he was out of control spending, but they were already supporting him. Like they weren't. Yeah, he probably could have done this. All that He's money, only spending. child. Yeah, he could have he yeah. could have mooched off his parents for a very long time. He they had bought him an apartment in Manhattan, like, right? He didn't need yeah. it. it. Wasn't a money thing. I think 
It's his never enough. Face, uh, yeah, like he may have snapped. He was already mentally unstable. Yeah, if you're already unstable, and then if you just think about, it, like, say he is a gay man in the fifties mm-hmm. and and is being berated, but there's got to be some sense of everyone's telling you this is wrong and you're not okay and you're a weirdo and you're not normal. Like, the, just society is constantly just telling you, and so somewhere deep inside you must be like feeling shame and guilt. Right. All all shouldn't be. I mean, but I also am, I also wonder if he had not been friends, quoting friends with dennis like would he have done it right yeah that's true because dennis was like this because you told dennis and dennis was like word up instead of being like kill that he was hiding in a closet he was in the house he was in the the hallway closet while this stuff was going down yeah he was part of that said that to someone of sane mind you know yeah. You'd be like, no, that ain't that ain't it, my friend. That's not what we do. And then you would have called somebody and be like, someone keep an eye on this fool. Um, so I often wonder, would he even have like tipped the edge, which is why it's trash that Dennis yeah. got out in 1968 when he was out here. You think there's like like old people that were like deep in the closet in the 50s, and then now they're seeing how things like they grew a gay pride parade now, but like yeah holy cow yeah there are there's a there's some there's some um tiktok guys they're all older gentlemen i love those guys those four guys yeah but i love those guys they did an interview where they talked about you know back in their day and how it was and you had to be secret um, you couldn't tell anybody you were always roommates and you know best friends or this is uncle so-and-so and and uncle so-and-so and and don't question how the other uncle is not you same thing with women um yeah, yeah. was there were I, I watched the documentary and the kid goes you know I spent a lot of time at my aunt's house and you know her roommate Jean and I never ever once <laughs> never once never. thought about the fact that they went to bed in the same room like yeah <laughs> it no. never occurred to them there was just their aunt Jean you know well on their her roommate Jean like that's it well I'll tell you what I, I really like hearing this story told by you guys I feel like it's it's just more accessible or something. Like I feel like you kind of make it relatable or something. Like just like you just tell it how it. You know, I just enjoy your tone. Yeah, and regular people yeah. language. Like, yeah, you're not talking above my head or make me feel dumb or anything. Like I feel like it's relatable or something. Like something about it. Like we're not coming yeah. at you like newscasters. Yeah, it's not okay. a newscaster. Yeah. yeah, it's not forensic or clinical. It's just like this will happen uh but that was good I, that was a good story i think that was good. thank you thank you for doing that i will wrap up real quick if you guys are good with me oh do you have any references that you need to state um it was you? new york daily news and oh that's the main one that's I the one i have yes that's yeah. the one i have okay that's the main one okay that's good i just like to cite sources a couple quick yes. things at the end of the month i totally every once in a while i screw this up and i have this big spreadsheet that I build like months, months ago. And then I go through and I update and I, I totally didn't realize I had extra things that happened here. So I'll try to go through these quick, um, super fast. August 29th, the USSR explodes its first hydrogen bomb. August, that same day, August 29th, Speedy Gonzalez, Warner's Warner brothers, cartoon character created by Chuck Jones and Michael Maltese, uh, Looney Tunes, uh, very problematic character at times, very stereotypical. Yeah. Um, 
they made that rumor was they made Speedy Gonzalez. You know, he debuted on this date. Uh, according to Lambiac.net, Speedy Gonzalez was based on a dirty joke. Uh, mm-hmm. Basically, oh, the, and the Speedy was having sex real fast. Uh, and the joke is like, <laughs> the jo- I'll just tell the joke. The joke is this guy is, uh, he knows Speedy Gonzalez is a super fast love maker. And so this guy is like his, he and his wife are there and he puts his hand over his wife's vagina. Like, Nope, you're too fast. You're not going to have sex with my wife, pal. And the guy sneezes and he can't find Speedy Gonzalez. And he's like, Hey, where'd you go? And Speedy Gonzalez says, Hey, if you want me to leave, get your finger out of my asshole. Oh, uh, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's awful. That's the I'll never joke. look at Speedy Gonzalez again. You will now right? never look at Speedy Gonzalez the same. But yeah. when they when he really debuted in 1953, he was like more of a caricature and a lot more like kind of racist seeming. But then yep. they re they redid him a little bit later, less like stereotypical. But in Cartoon Network took over Looney Tunes in 99, I think, sometime in the 90s. And they were like banned Speedy Gonzalez and like, nope, that's too problematic a lot of the cartoon has problematic racial things but um the league of united latin american citizens demanded you bring speedy gonzalez back because they felt like he represented so many good things about mexican people or hispanic people um that it outweighs sort of the negative thing so it's kind of a weird thing there with the uh the cancellation type of thing me too so that was something in the uh and then when they uh, brought back Looney Tunes, they all lived on that cul-de-sac. Speedy Gonzalez owned the local pizza shop. Oh, really? Also, oh, you can deliver to you extra fast. That's a cartoon extra, yeah, really fast. So, yeah, so some of that stuff. I mean, a lot of Looney Tunes is not like, but a lot of stuff they probably don't show anyone. It was really awful. Happy right? Le Pew and his sexual assaulting ass. Yeah, yeah, he, he's gone now, Mister Rapey. Guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and now you know a horrible, dirty joke about. Speedy Gonzalez. Speedy Gonzalez. And we'll never right. forgive him the same. You'll never look at that the same. You'll think of Looney Tunes tied to, well, sexual things. Yeah. Sexual things, yeah. No. It was. like it, yeah. clearly, it was like Cartoon Network before there was Cartoon Network. That was Looney Tunes. It was very adult. There was a lot oh, of yeah. adult stuff that went Oh, on. I mean, that was the audience. Yeah. They were yeah. short. Before well, didn't they film. start playing those? Yeah, they played them at like movies and stuff, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then they became well, like quote unquote kid friendly and they just never were. Yeah. Well, this was very good. I really enjoyed the three of you sitting down with me for eight hours here. We've been here recording, but <laughs> uh, but T and T, I look forward to your podcast. Uh, let me know when you guys are ready to record and do your thing. Yeah. You can do it however you do it because. It'll be your show. Uh, We're coming for you. Yeah. And Gruff, please check out the Gruff and Loud show on History for Jerks YouTube channel. Uh, you can check that out. We've got three episodes out. We're working on more. Uh, we have hours and hours of content because we spent the whole pandemic bullshitting with each other recording <laughs> uh, video. So, uh, anyway. Joe, you're like the master producer. Just I want to be. I want to just You make are. Stuff. Not one, you are. You're on the come up. You're a producer on the come up. History for jerks is going to be a thing. Oh, well, yeah. And then you and you and Jenny Kabul got your ladies' history. Yeah, the badass bitches. Yeah, punched. the goal is to just put out a bunch of content because I I one day realized like I spend too much time just sitting around doing nothing. Like why am I not making something? So, 
Uh, and there's a lot you. of interesting things to hear about. Yeah. There's stuff that we don't know about. So let's make it. So thank you guys for making stuff with me. Uh, I look forward to hearing you two later. You guys are cool and fun. Uh, and I like hearing you guys solve crimes. Uh, and Gruff, don't forget to wipe and stay off the pipe. Oh. <laughs> uh, thank you for having us. Oh, yeah, right. Thanks for being here, ladies. And and uh, next week, Amy will be back. So it's time to get out of here, Chuck Berry. Yay, Amy. So mate. Truman Ego Trip is the greatest band of all time by their music.